I do want to welcome everyone watching on Facebook, YouTube, and our Church Online platform. If you are watching on Facebook, I want to invite you to hit the share button um, because the share button is the new invite card. And yeah, and then also, where'd my wife go? She doesn't want me to embarrass her. So because it's your birthday, I will not embarrass you. All right. I love you. Um, but if you see my wife today with her mask on, um, tell her happy birthday. Show her some love and, and um, yeah, <laughs> she, she had to go grab her mask. Um, hey, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 7 today. I've got three verses that we're going to cover. Um, and so it will be on the Sky Bible behind me. Uh, but before we do that, I want to kind of talk to uh, people who call City Church their their home. First off, did you guys have fun for y'all that were here at Revo? How about, man, Bishop, 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 Bishop Dale Bronner, dude, I'm, I just can't get away from his style. Like, I'm just, like, home dudes got, like, I wish I could dress that good. I wish I could. Uh, but anyways, Bishop Dale, Bishop Joe, uh, and then also Noah. Do you guys enjoy Noah last night? Yeah, I, y'all, I love Noah. He is one of the, the most uh, sincere up-and-coming guys. And I'm, I'm telling you, he's been a Christian for like four or five years. And what God has done with him and the amount of influence that God has given him is just, just amazing to be able to see that. And, uh, but but he's, a, he's the real deal. We were, we were talking to him last night, and, and he was telling me about some of the speakers that he's had in and uh, just how different they are than him. They kind of come in, and they don't talk to you. And um, anyways, but Noah is not that guy. He's a, he's a good guy. And so should we have him back in the future? All right, three of you guys said yes, and so I, we only need one, and that's me, and so I'm going to have him back. So... Uh, I'm excited. But hey, I want to talk to our City Church family. This is specifically if you consider yourself a City Church partner. We don't have membership here, um, but we do have partnership. And, and here's how you become a partner. You make City Church your home. That's it. Uh, if you love Jesus, uh, then, then you can be a partner here at City Church and, and invest into the mission and the vision uh, as we move forward. But I want to talk to you guys and ask that you etch in a date um, for us to have a church family meeting. So Sunday, November 8th, um, I just ask that you would just etch in around 6 p.m.-ish. We're going to finalize the details, and we'll send it out via email to everyone uh, in the next uh, week or so. But we're going to have a city church kind of like uh, huddle, so to speak, family dinner, just to talk about some business and the future and uh, just some things that are, that are coming up the way. It's nothing bad. I need to throw that every time. You know, someone's like, the pastor wants to have a meeting. Like, what's going on? It's nothing bad. It's all good, all right? So I'm just throwing that out there, November 8th. Um, and if there is a date change, it isn't set in stone. That's why I'm saying pencil it in, etch it in. Uh, we'll finalize all of that uh, this week and, and get it on to you. So, all right, today uh, we're going to be talking about a very, very famous passage of Scripture in Matthew chapter 7, continuing on with our Kingdom Culture series. Uh, as, as we lead up to the election as we get ready for the holidays. How many of you guys are excited about Christmas? Yeah. Matt Roz, are you excited about Christmas? I know the Roz Boslems, they've already decorated, and on November 1st, they plug in the lights, you know, 
uh, Christmas vacation style. And so I'm excited for them. Uh, but as, as we get ready for all of that, what we're going to talk about today is extremely important and pivotal, but it's also very simple and basic. And so uh, a few weeks ago, we talked about Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 and 2, which is talking about judgment. And I said that that was probably the most misunderstood scripture in the Bible. Then we looked at Matthew chapter 3, verse 5, which is the most misused passage of scripture in the Bible, or what I would say would be one of the most misused. Uh, and then we talked about prayer, and things were really awesome last week. And then today, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 12, I would say that this is the least practiced scripture in all of the scripture, in all of the Bible. The application where the rubber meets the road, for whatever reason, it just doesn't take place. And so I'm just going to open up and we're going to read it and then we're going to talk about it and, um, and then we'll go from there. So Jesus is preaching and he says, so whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter it are many, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Now, you guys will know this passage of Scripture as the golden rule. If you went to any school in America, any public school, you were taught about the golden rule. If you have got kids, then you have taught your kids the golden rule. It might not be word for word or phrase for phrase, but it goes something like this. Judah, do you want Allie to treat you that way? No? No, Dad. Well, then stop kicking her. But Dad, Judah, treat her the same way that you want to be treated. Can all the parents say amen to that, if you know what I'm talking about, right? And this is, this is something that you even see in business places, like treat others the way that you want to be treated. Our very own governor has even used this passage of scripture in the middle of the COVID pandemic whenever he was hearing about the fights that were taking place because people were or were not wearing, wearing masks. Like, treat people the way that you want to be treated, which, by the way, last night we almost saw a fight, which was kind of interesting um, and very appropriate for what we're talking about today. Um, it, it was, yeah, anyways, but just throwing that out there, totally random, but like, it was like, hey, Noah, this is Albany, two guys fighting and getting escorted out and stuff. I'm like, well, welcome to Albany, you know? Um, but treat others the way that you want to be treated. But then it immediately shifts, and it almost seems like they don't go hand in hand to this part where it's talking about um, a, a, a wide gate and a narrow gate. And these two do go hand in hand, and I'll get to that in, in just a second. But I want you to think about treating others the way that you want to be treated. Judah and Ali, how they fight. Even husbands and wives, how me and Christy fight. And yes, we do sometimes fight. I think that it is healthy for couples to fight if you know how to fight. I have learned that when we get in an argument, I need to be quiet and give my wife space. If I push her too hard, it does not turn out pretty. I'm just being honest with you, okay? I'm just being completely honest with you. I love you, honey. It is your birthday. Um, and so I'm just going to bring that up multiple times. It is her birthday today, and I love her. Um, but I also want you to think about whenever you're at a restaurant, right? 
you're at a restaurant and, and maybe you've been there, you, you've ordered your food. I actually experienced this this past week. You order food, you get your drink and you get your food and you, you know you eat it all. And once you're, you're done and you're good, it's like, yeah, this was really good. Thank you, Jesus, for this food. It was awesome. And then you wait on the check. You wait on the check. You guys, you guys know what I'm talking about? I don't understand why whenever you're done with your food, they don't just immediately bring you the check. Has anyone experienced this? And it's like, I got things to do. I got people to see. I got places to go. Can, can, we ple- can you please bring the check? Come on, bring the check. Bring the check. And what happens is sometimes, if, we're gonna, if I'm going to be honest, I get a little frustrated. And then I start to show my frustration in the dollar amount that I leave attached on the bill. Or you've had waiters or waitresses, and they've, maybe they're just having a bad day, and they come to you, and, 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 and they're like, what do you want? First off, I don't think I've ever had a waiter or waitress do that, but sometimes in my mind, psychologically, I'm like, that's what they're saying, right? And so then you get really frustrated with them, or your food gets messed up. Anyone's food ever gotten messed up, and you send it back? I was with someone one time. They sent back their steak three times. It was so embarrassing. It was so embarrassing, and I loved that person to death. And I felt so bad for our waitress and the manager that had to come out. I'm like, dude, it's just eat the cow. Like, it's, if you're not going to eat it, I'll eat the cow, okay? But treat people the way that you want to be treated. I also think about social media. Social media, especially Twitter. I'm in love with Twitter since the pandemic. I was on Twitter before, and I kind of went through a Twitter hiatus. But I'm back on Twitter. I check it every day, sometimes a few times a day. But have you seen the political climate on Twitter or on Facebook or on not so much Instagram, but we'll say Facebook and Twitter? You've got the Republican Party treating the Democratic Party like crap, and then you have the Democratic Party treating the Republican Party like crap. And there's all this hashtag fake news stories from both sides that are coming out. There's all these scandals that are taking place. There's all this stuff that is, that is happening. A, a friend of mine tweeted this, and I thought that this was beautiful. If we can, we can put this up here. W. David Lilly Jr., you guys that know him, I get how social media feels like a way to fight back against your political adversaries, but you can't shove your foot into a lion's mouth hoping they choke. This is the worst circus performance ever. And I'm like, man, that is so true. That is so true. And that's all that social media is. We are called as Christians to simple obedience to a simple gospel. And that simple obedience to a simple gospel is really boiled down with two, four words or two phrases. Love God, love people. Treat others the very same way that you want to be treated. Now, how does this tie into gates, into life and death? And, and so Jesus says, here's the golden rule, but he immediately goes into talking about a wide gate and a narrow gate. And really he's talking about um, the narrow gate will lead to life, the wide gate will lead to death. Now, because Ju- Jesus is a Jewish scholar and he is God in human form on this earth, walking in all divinity, he knew the Old Testament. And at the time, it wasn't even the Old Testament. It was just the Scripture, the Torah. And so I want to read to you something out of Deuteronomy chapter 30 about life and death 
and, and what Jesus is talking about right here. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 19, he says, I call, or the writer says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. So, like, that's it. Like, well, Michael, there's so much more in the gospel. No, that's it. That's it. The simplicity of the gospel is life or death. The choice is yours. The choice is mine. The choice is ours, how we're going to achieve that and do that, which ultimately we don't achieve anything. It is the grace and the love and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ that first off transforms our identity, but then we have a choice to either walk in life or to walk in death. He continues on, the writer continues on, therefore, choose life, that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, and this is how, obeying his voice and holding fast to him. For he is your life and the length of days, that you may dwell in the land of the Lord, that your Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them. So what the writer is saying here is we've got two options. What Jesus is saying here is we've got two options. One is life. The other is death. The narrow gate is life. The wide gate is death. The narrow gate essentially is this. And this is something I need to say, especially in a very postmodern world. It is the exclusivity that Jesus Christ is the only way for salvation. And if you're a guest with us, if you're new to Christianity or you just explore in the faith, I'm here to tell you that we at City Church and in our, in our core doctrine, this is the absolute center of everything, that Jesus Christ is the only way to salvation or to a right relationship, right standing with our Heavenly Father. And it's a free gift for you and it's a free gift for me. Well, then the wide, the wide gates, thank you, the wide gates is any other pursuit outside of Jesus. This is why you've got churches who start to allow new age ideas to infiltrate them. This is why you've got churches who leave the core tenets of the faith of Jesus is the only way, and they start to say, well, maybe Islam can, you know, we can pull something from Islam and something from Hindu and something from this. And, you know, I mean, you believe in the universe. Well, the universe, I mean, the, God did create the universe. So maybe, the, you know, you pray to the universe. And what happens to these churches, and look, the testimony is all over this city, they start to die. This is why last year, 14 churches in the capital region closed. Not the only reason, but this is one of the main reasons. It's because they took a simple message of a simple gospel that we are called to simple obedience, and they made it complex by adding a bunch of stuff that Jesus never intended. They made it complex by veering from the truth. And really what, what, what this is talking about is like loving God and loving people. That's the narrow gate. Now, the argument that I hear so often is, how could a loving God do this? Or how could a loving God do that? Or, or what about in the Old Testament? I mean, there's all these commands. We're supposed to follow the commands of the Old Testament. There's 613 commands. Do you know them all? I don't. I don't even know if I could recite to you the Ten Commandments in proper order. Like, I'm just being honest with you. So how are, how are we supposed to do this? 
And, and what, do we, what does it mean whenever we look at all these commands? Doesn't it just look like God is up there angry with a beard, smoking a pipe, and just like a magnifying glass looking down on us and ready to fry us like a bunch of ants? And we're supposed to follow all these commands? I want you to think about this. Any, any of you guys have dogs? Raise your hand if you've got a dog. Make some noise if you've got a dog. Some of y'all just don't love your dog, all right? And that's, that's fine. That's totally fine. How many of you guys have got cats? All right, we rebuke you. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. I do love cats. They're, so, they're no maintenance, man. They're no, dogs, they're all in your stuff. They're sniffing your butt. They're just like, um, so I probably crossed the line right there. I apologize. But I think about my dog, Jax. Charlie, not so much. But whenever Jax was in his prime, right now, Jax is our older dog, and this is all he does. He eats, sleeps, and poops. That's it. And it's, it's great. Occasionally, he'll, like, look up, and you'll hear a out of him. And whenever he sleeps, like, he's at this point in his life, and I don't know if he's going into cardiac arrest or what, but he's like, whenever he's, I kid you not, I'm just like, he is possessed over there or something. I, I don't know what's going on. But our dog, Jax, has a tendency to get out until we got a fence in the backyard. He would have a tendency that whenever we would let him out to go um, to, to use the restroom or whenever we'd let him out to uh, just run around, he would, he would get lost. And I think about a stray dog. It's usually not a dog that has got parameters set up around them that you find laying in the street after being hit by a car. It's usually a stray dog, and a stray dog might think that they're free, but because they've got no parameters around them to guide them and to protect them, they are actually locked in and bound into a fearful, terrifying life where they're having to be scavengers for their food, they're having to fight other animals, and they've got no home and no protection. Now, down south, they might survive, but up here, once it hits about negative 10 degrees, which it will in about 60 days, an animal's going to die if it's a dog, that, especially a house dog that got loose. They're going to freeze to death. But a dog that has a, a fence around him or her, a dog that has got rules in the house, a dog that has got parameters set up, never has to worry about the food, never has to worry about the water, never has to worry about not being loved, never has to worry about not being a part of a family. And the same thing is true. I'm not calling you guys dogs, but the same thing is true with our Heavenly Father. There are parameters that Jesus sets around his children because he loves us and he wants you to live a life and a life full of abundance and to the fullest so that you can experience all that God has for you. Your life is not meant to be a life filled with anxiety and fear and worry. Your life is to be a life filled with confidence because of the parameters that Jesus has set around you and that you are pursuing Jesus, you're pursuing his commands, and through that you can stand in confidence that God is doing something great inside of you because you are simply falling under his covering. I love what Bishop Dale said with the highlighter. Like you can, you can have that highlighter analogy. That was absolutely beautiful. The highlighter is only good if the top goes back on, if you're under the cover. And the same thing is true with us. And so Jesus simply boiled this down, the golden rule, in Matthew chapter 22, verses 36 to 40. He, he says this. Teacher, which of these commandments 
which is, uh, which is the great commandment in the law? So Pharisees talking to Jesus and, you know, Pharisees, they know all about the 613 commandments. And so out of all 613, Jesus, which one is the most important? Which one is the great, like if I, if I only had to do one, what commandment is the most important commandment for me to do? And Jesus' response was, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Love God. The first and most important thing that you can do in your life is to love God. And right then, the Pharisee was about to pipe up and say something like, oh yeah, we, we get that. that, that's easy, but Jesus doesn't stop there. He, he goes on and he says, this is the great and first commandment, and the second is like it. The second is like, like it. The New Living Translation says the second is equally as important. And, and, he, and he says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And on these commands, commandments depend all the laws of the prophets. And so Jesus is saying, you can take all 613 laws, you can take all the prophecies, you can take all of everything in the Old Testament. If you want to take all of Scripture and you want to boil it down to one thing, it is love God and love people. That is it. It is a simple gospel that requires simple obedience from us. But can I be honest with you? It's hard. It's hard. You see, I, I, I sometimes talk to people. I just want to kind of throw this out there, a little bit of church history. I talk to people, and I'm not opposed to classes. I think that sometimes we need more classes. But sometimes you've got, like, prophetic classes. Other times you've got evangelism classes. Other times you've got, you know, ABC class, whatever you kind of want to fill in the blank with. But it wasn't until, oh, I don't know, a couple hundred years ago that we had even heard of this idea of an evangelism class. The first church didn't have an evangelism class. The first church didn't even have the Bible. But it was their love for God and their love for one another that took this movement called, as Noah talked about yesterday, called the way, being a Jesus follower, that sparked a revolution that ended up sweeping all of Rome within the first 150 years. I want you to think about that. They had no Bible, they had no books, they had no banners, they had no any other B word, that you, balls that you want to throw in there. All that they had was their love for God and their love for people. And because of their love for God and their love for people, it put them in interesting scenarios where they were able to take a message of grace and truth and be able to pass it on to other people. There was no evangelism class. There was no flashcards to say, are you going to burn in hell or are you going to burn in heaven or live in heaven, you know? Uh, hopefully we don't burn in heaven. That would be weird. I'm just throwing that out there. But like, are you going to burn in, you know? You, you've seen those people there, like the street evangelists, they come up and they're like, hey, have you lied today? Yeah. You're going to hell. Ah! And Satan's coming up from the back and the dark angels are going to come in and swallow you whole. Love God. Love people. Love God, love people. You see, the thing about evangelism and discipleship is they cannot be separate. This is so crucial. This is so huge. We, especially in our Western culture, we have a tendency to say, this is an evangelistic church. This is a disciple-making church. 
If you are a mature disciple, you are going to be living a life of an evangelist because of your love for God and your love for people. Which means that we have a message called a simple gospel that we should be spreading and sharing and telling people all around us. But the tendency, especially in the Christian culture, is to fill up our schedule with a bunch of godly things that we miss the mission that Jesus has placed in front of us. Well, I've got community group, and you should totally be in community group. I'm absolutely an advocate for community group. But if you're in community group five nights a week, you might have a problem. Well, I've got to go to this church service, and I've got to go to that church service, and I've got to go over here, and I've got to do this, and I've got to do that, and make sure that I've got all this stuff, this Jesus stuff going on. Meanwhile, your barista who is in front of you, who doesn't know about Jesus Christ, who you see every day, you get your coffee and you say, thank you. I got to go to my, my Bible study. We're not called to live in a bubble. We're not called to live in our, like, little church. I don't know what else to call it. We're called to be a part of a community, but to be a part of a community that is sent out. Sent out into your place and my place and your school and your workplace and Starbucks and wherever else it might be that you end up going. And we are called to be disciples of Jesus, which means that we tell people about Jesus. And how do we tell people about Jesus? The golden rule. We treat them the way that we want to be treated. I was talking to an elder from another church a few years ago. Many of you guys might know him. His name is Mike. And um, he, he would come in, pop in at City Church pretty frequently and just, you know, great guy. He now, he lives in God's country uh, down in, like, Carolinas or Tennessee or something where it's warm all year round. But whenever I was talking to him, he's like, man, he was a, uh, at one of the refiner, not refineries, at one of the plants somewhere in this area, uh, he was the, the top guy at whatever plant it was in the Port of Albany. And, and so he made a lot of money. He had to deal with boards. He, you know, he had all of that. And then he got saved. And then he found out the church that he got saved in, many of his employees were Christians and one of them was actually an elder in the church, and he went up to them, and he said, hey, you're a Christian? Yeah, 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 I'm, I'm actually an elder in the church that you got saved in. Why have you never told me about Jesus? I have been your boss for the past five years, or ten years, and you have not once told me about Jesus. I didn't even know that you were a Christian because of how you talked in the break room. And he said it made him disgusted. Man, God gives you and I opportunities every day, even in a mid-pandemic, COVID-19, face mask, hand-washing, hand-sanitizing world. God gives you and me opportunities every day. If you're watching online, God is giving you an opportunity right now to say something, to treat someone with respect and love, and to tell them about Jesus. And so I've got five points as I wrap this thing up, and I'm going to go pretty quick. But I've got five things that I want to say about opportunities. And if you're taking notes, this is what I want you to take notes on. Number one, I want to encourage you to frequent the same place. Frequent the same place. And, and here's what I mean by that. 
If you go to Starbucks in East Greenbush to get your coffee, go to Starbucks in East Greenbush to get your coffee every time. If, if you're going to go out for a beer, go to the same place and go have a beer. And, and don't just frequent the same place and give them money and you get something in exchange. I want you to frequent the same place and talk to the person who's serving you. Do, do you know how easy it is to say, hey, Gabby, how's your day going? Mike, I'm angry at everyone right now. There's this fight that broke out the other day. And, and, and Gabby's an actual person that I know that works at a local establishment who knows my first name, knows that I am a pastor, and I go in there, and we have multiple conversations every time I'm there. You want to know what else I know about Gabby? She just celebrated her 30th birthday. She isn't married, but she has a beautiful daughter. And right now, she is working in the service industry to be able to provide for her family, her family being her and her daughter. And she is an awesome person who, because I frequent the same place, Whenever I do go, I've built a relationship with. Frequent the same place. Say hello. Compliment them. There's another store in Rensselaer that Christy and I, we go into. And um, I went in there, and, and I, I think what happened is it was like two years ago after the Sunday before Christmas, and the news station did an article on us or a news story. Anyways, I walked in, um, and this, this girl was like, oh, my gosh, I just saw you on the news. And I'm like, this is awkward, like. You're the pastor of that church? I'm like, I, I am. It's like, oh my gosh, this is so awesome. And then the owner comes out, and then the owner's boyfriend comes out, and they start talking to me and asking all of these questions and, and, and stuff. And did you know that, that they may not live a lifestyle that maybe we would agree with, but they've actually given to missions here at City Church? Because they can see what we're doing and how we're affecting the community. And every time we walk in, we painted our house and we walked in. And they're like, oh my gosh, your house looks so good. How's the church going? How's your family? How are the kids? Because an opportunity presented itself. Have they come and accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior? No. Is it my hope that they will? Yes. But I'm talking to them. So number one, frequent the same place. Number two, don't, I'm going to go on a soapbox for just a second. Don't speak Christianese. Have you ever talked to someone who speaks Christianese? Y'all are like, what is Christianese? This is what I mean by Christianese. Brothereth, howeth, are youeth, doeth. I am blessed and highly favored and filled with the abundance of grace and mercy today. Huh. It's like, what? Like, like, I want you to think about this. There's some things that we say in our faith, like Jesus literally says, eat my flesh, drink my blood. Like, could you just imagine talking to someone that has no idea about Jesus Christ and like, man, what do you love about Christianity? He asked us to eat his flesh and drink his blood. Cannibalism. Oh. What? Be normal. Like, I don't, I don't know how else to say it. Like, it's like, I, I, I'm telling you, I grew up in southeast Texas. In southeast Texas, 70% of the population goes to church. That's why there's a mega church at every corner. I kid you not. And, 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 it, and it's just, it blows my mind the amount of Christianese that people speak down there. 
and, and I hear the way that some people talk, and, and I'm just like, dude, if I didn't know the context of what you were talking about, I would think that you were smoking dope right now. Like, I, I, or what are you high on? I, like, I kid, I kid you not. Like, or we, whenever you have a conversation, there's a particular person I know, and I love them to death, and like, man, how's life, how's life going? Man, amen. God is amen. He's just so good. Amen. People are burning in hell. Amen. What? I, I'm not even joking. How about, hey, how you doing? Or someone asks you, how you doing? Man, I'm doing well. I'm having a great day. How about you? Be normal. Be relevant. You know what? I would even encourage you to take things that maybe wouldn't be in the Christian circle and to use those things to actually talk about stuff with other people. Like movies, for instance. How many of you guys saw The Avengers? Any, anyone? Yeah? Some of you guys saw The Avengers? Okay, cool. I haven't seen The Avengers, but I hear it's really good. How many of you guys like Star Wars? Anyone like Star Wars? Come on. Bum, 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 bum. My son heard me right now. He'd be like, where's Darth Vader? But like, fine. But here's, here's songs. We were sitting there last night, and this song comes on, and Noah's like, hold on, hold on. This is my jam. And it's like, I'm just like, I don't even know this song, dude. Like, but someone in here does. Someone was bumping and grinding over there in line to get food, and you, you think I'm joking. You think I'm joking. I'm telling you the truth. But don't talk Christianese. Be real. Be relevant. Point number three, ask, whoo, ask questions and listen more than you speak. Like, I, I mean this for real. You get in a conversation with someone, so now you've visited the same uh, establishment multiple times. You're going to the same barista. They now know you by name. You're getting to hang out with them, talk to them. Uh, you don't speak Christianese. Why don't you ask them questions like, hey, um, what do you want to do uh, after you get done working at Starbucks? Oh, this is, I want to make a career here. Oh, that's so awesome. What, what is it about it that's like attracted you to be here? Well, I love coffee and they take care of their employees. And, and you know, to be honest with you, um, this is just one of those things that I just love people and just getting to hear their stories. Well, tell me a little bit about your story. Well, you see, I grew up and my parents, they ended up being divorced and uh, my dad, he, he committed suicide at this age and, and, and ended up, you know, just having to, to live a hard knock life, right? There's a guy, and, and Nate can tell you, whenever we used to go to the gyms before they were closed and then you have to work out with face masks and all this stuff, like, I just got to know him, and, and as weird as it, as it is, I'm not trying to, don't put any images in your head, but, like, we're sitting there in the locking, locker room, and, like, I, I'm changing and stuff, and he goes, Michael, my father committed suicide, and today's his anniversary of his death. And I'm just like, dude, I'm trying to get dressed right now. And then we exchange numbers, and every now and then we'll, we'll talk and we'll text and see him out and stuff. Building a relationship. He knows I'm a pastor. Be slow to speak. Ask questions. Listen. Listen. Number four, look for common ground, especially with our political climate right now. Look, I don't care what side of the political aisle you are in. Don't bash other people because of who they're going to vote for or who they're not going to vote for. Find common ground. You know, whether you're Republican or whether you're Democrat, I, I think that we all want to take care of kids. 
Like, let's, let's talk about that. How, how can we work together? How can we find common ground? And then number five, relationships. Relationship, relationship. Relationship equals longevity. Whenever we first started this church, I became um, an insurance salesman. And so not only was I, um, you know, given life insurance through Jesus, I was selling life insurance so that whenever you die, your family would be taken care of. And you should go buy life insurance. I'm a big proponent of life insurance. If you don't have it, go talk to Kevin. He'll hook you up. You think I'm joking. He will. He can't say that because it's against the guidelines, but I can say that on behalf of him. But I remember we were having our, our team meeting, and I had been there for about six months or so, and they all knew we were trying to plant this church and stuff. And this girl, Megan, comes in, and she's all frazzled, and she goes, Michael, I don't believe in God, but if there is a God, would you just pray for me? And next person comes in, and yeah, you know, this just happened. My aunt just got diagnosed. And the next person comes in, and this conversation of relationships that I've been building for the past six months at a work environment, God presented an opportunity whenever a crisis happened for me to step in and to pastor these people. And there ended up being about eight to 10 prayer requests that came in around this massive, you know, $2,000 boardroom table. And they're all telling me their life story. Well, I actually ended up marrying not me marrying, but doing the wedding, officiating the wedding of my boss, of both of my bosses in that company. And I got to share with them about Jesus. And, and I even talked to them the other day. And it's because of relationship. And when you have relationship, people will start to trust you and it'll start to build upon you. It's the power of discipleship and being an evangelist when God presents you with an opportunity. Carl Lentz, Carl Lentz, famous Carl Lentz. You guys know him? No one knows him? Okay, just go Google him. If you don't know him, then it is what it is. But he has this phrase and this hashtag that became very popular. Hashtag Occupy All Streets. It was during the Wall Street, Occupy Wall Street movement. And he got up and he got in front of Hillsong and he said, hey, we're not going to occupy just Wall Street. We're going to occupy all streets with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're going to occupy all spaces with the gospel and the love of Jesus Christ. We're going to occupy all schools with the gospel and the love of Jesus Christ. We're going to occupy all homes with the gospel and the love of Jesus Christ. The church is called to occupy every space, every vehicle we get in, every uh, train we get in, every business meeting we go to, we are the church, and our responsibility is to be salt and light, to treat others, to love God, and to love people, and to let people know that there is a Heavenly Father who loves them so much that He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to radically transform them and to bring them from death to life and life more abundantly. I want to read to you guys an excerpt from a book. And, and I don't normally do this, but this is my, this is my closing. Corey Trimble, who is a supporter of this church, the Experienced Community Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Got to speak to him this past week, man. He's such a good guy. 
But Corey sent me his book just a few weeks ago, and I've gotten in this habit of reading a lot. Nathan came up to me, and he's like, I turned 25, and so I feel like I need to read a lot more in my life as I get older. And I was like, man, I'm 34, and I barely read, and so I've plowed through like five books in the past month. It's been awesome. This one I read in two sittings. took me about two and a half hours. That may be good for you. This is a record time for me, all right? But he reads, he shares this story in his book about something very significant that happened at his church. Now, mind you, his church is 11 years old, runs about 7,000 people. And if you ever meet Corey, if he was up here preaching, he would be in a T-shirt with bare feet. Like, he's just one of those chill dudes. But this is what he talks about with the power of treating your neighbor as yourself of taking evangelism and discipleship and coupling them together. Love has always been a catalyst for making diligent followers of Christ. Back in the second year of our church, when our church existed, a young lady started coming who had no Christian background at all, Kristen. She was a college kid and came in one Sunday night when we still did Sunday night services. I remember she actually slept during the service the first couple of times she came. But she kept coming, and she eventually made it through one of my sermons. I instantly took a liking to Kristen. She was weird and goofy, and she would laugh at times when it wasn't appropriate. We've had a few of those. But that's what everyone liked about her. The other thing about Kristen is that she invited people to church. She would go out, love people, and then quickly invite them to our small church on the square. One of those people was a couch-surfing, 20-something homeless dropout named Patrick. Not only was Patrick homeless, but I found out months later that he was estranged from his wife. But, just like Kristen, Patrick jumped in and became very devoted to the church. He got baptized, started serving with our kids, and became a pivotal part of our volunteer team. In 2011, I took Patrick with some volunteers to the Catalyst Conference in Atlanta, while we were there, Patrick heard from God that it was time to fix this marriage. By the following year, I did a couple's vow renewal. Long story short, Patrick, Patrick eventually became the children's pastor at our church and then moved up to, the, uh, to our top leadership team and is now over all family ministries. Patrick currently has several hundred volunteers and pastors, 1,400 children, just in his department. A couple years back, Patrick started discipling a young woman by the name of Sarah, who had come out of Mormonism and into our church. Sarah was working on her master's degree and was starting to serve with kids in our church. Sarah's heart was really for kids with special needs. In 2018, she soft-launched a ministry in our church called Emerge that focuses primarily on kids with special needs. As of today, there are over 60 families that have come to our church just because of Emerge. There are families that couldn't attend church before because no one in our county did anything like what we were doing. Think about that. 60 families just from one person's ministry. That is almost twice the size of an average church in the United States. Sarah's ministry is now starting to be taught in other churches and even in other countries where we do pastoral training. The point of this story is this, showing love to one quirky college girl that most people would just overlook 
and a homeless 20-something getting saved and becoming a great leader of families. The homeless 20-something then led a former Mormonism to start a ministry that has brought 60-plus family in our city alone and an opportunity to hear the gospel. The simple love of others and the willingness to share the light of God with them literally transforms more people than we can ever imagine. So when you leave here today, and when I leave here today, this is it. We are called to love God, to love people, to be hands and feet, to be salt and light, and to look at the opportunity that is going to present you today, to look at the opportunity that is going to present you tomorrow, to look at the opportunity that's going to present you on your next pathetic Zoom call, and to be the hands and feet of Jesus. If it wasn't for one person reaching out to me in Vitor, Texas, I would not be here today. My friend Chad Hunt has this cheesy phrase, one invite could change a life. And as cheesy as it is, as Christianese as it is, it's so true. Your one invite, your one invite to the guy or the girl who's sitting across the street right now, panhandling, asking for money, who's peed all over themselves because they have no place to use the restroom in the middle of the night, could be the next family pastor here at City Church five, ten years from now. Or it could be the next great evangelist. You have no idea what the love of God can do when the love of God gets into your heart and there is a genuine heart transformation that takes place. I think about one other guy in our church. Many of you guys know him, John. He came in a while back, maybe a year, year and a half ago. He came in asking for money. Josh Howard went up to him and started talking to him. Next thing I knew, John, homeless dude, was involved in men's group. Then John finally got an apartment. He was starting to get things right. Fast forward just before the pandemic hit, January, February of this past year. John, who attended Hillsong out in um, Connecticut, where his wife was, was estranged from his wife. He picked up the phone, and he started talking to his wife and to his kids again. And in January of this past year, John left City Church to go back to be with his family and to continue serving in his church down there. And all because one person, when they saw a homeless dude bumming for money, went up and said, John, I want to get to know you. I'm pretty sure the first six months John came, he was drunk every time. And today he's reunited with his family. Stand with me as we pray. I asked the team to do this song. We did this song back in the day. But I just want the lyrics to speak to you. And just let this be your commissioning. Father, I just thank you for this opportunity to be your salt and to be your light. Lord, let us be your church today. Let us be your church as we leave here. Let us treat people the way that we want to be treated. Let us love God, love people, and make a difference. In Jesus' name.